Dvarim followership. In the last month of his life, Moses gathered the people. He instructed them about the laws they were to keep and reminded them of their history since the Exodus. That is the substance of the book of Devarim. And of course, early in the process, he recalled the episode of the spies, the reason the people's parents were denied the opportunity to enter the land. He wanted the next generation to learn the lesson of that episode and carry it with them always. They needed faith and courage. Perhaps that's always been part of what it means to be a Jew. But the story of the spies, as he tells it here, is very different indeed from the version in Shalach Lecha, which describes the events as they happened at the time, almost 39 years later. The discrepancies between the two accounts are glaring and numerous, but here I want to focus only on two. First, the question, who proposed sending the spies? In Shalach, it was God who told Moses to do so. The Lord said to Moses, send men. In our Parsha, it was the people who requested it. Then all of you came to me, says Moses, and said, let us send men. So who was it, God or the people? This makes a massive difference to how we understand the episode. Second, what was their mission? In our Parsha, the people said, let us send men to spy out Vyachburu, the land for us. The twelve men made for the hill country, came to the Wadi Eshkol, and spied it via Raglu. In other words, our Parsha uses the two Hebrew verbs, Lachbor and Laragel, that mean to spy. But as I pointed out in Covenant and Conversation on Shlach, the account there doesn't mention spying at all. Instead, 13 times it uses the verb la tour, which means to tour, explore, travel, inspect. Even in our Pasha, when Moses is talking not about the spies, but about God, he says, he goes before you on your journeys la tour to seek out the place where you are to encamp. According to the Malbim, la tour means to seek out what's good about a place. Lachbo and Laragel mean to seek out what's weak, vulnerable, exposed and defenseless. So touring and spying are two completely different activities. So why does the account in our Parsha present what happened as a spying mission, which the account in Shlach emphatically does not. Now those two questions, who proposed sending the spies and what were they sent to do, combine with a third prompted by an extraordinary statement by Moses in our Parsha. Having said that the spies and the people were punished by not living to enter the promised land, he then says, because of you... The Lord was incensed with me also, and he said, you shall not enter the land either. Now, this is very strange indeed. It's not like Moses to blame other people for what seemed to be his own failing. Besides which, it contradicts the testimony of the Torah itself, which tells us that Moses and Aaron were punished by not being permitted to enter the land because of what happened at Kadesh, when the people complained about the lack of water. What they did wrong is debated by the commentators. Was it that Moses hit the rock or that he lost his temper or some other reason, whichever it was. That was when God said, because you didn't trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land that I give them. Now, that episode at Kadesh was some 39 years after the episode of the spies.
As to the discrepancy between the two accounts, Rabbi David Svi Hoffman argued that the account in Shlach tells us what actually happened. The account in our Parsha a generation later was meant not to inform but to warn. Shlach is a historical narrative. Our Parsha is a sermon. These are different literary genre with different purposes. As to Moses' remark, because of you the Lord was incensed with me, Ramban suggests that he was simply saying that like the spies and the people, he too was condemned to die in the wilderness. Alternatively, perhaps he was hinting that no one should be able to say that Moses avoided the fate of the generation that he led. However, a barbanel offers a fascinating alternative. Perhaps the reason Moses and Aaron were not permitted to enter the land wasn't because of the episode of the water and the rock at Kadesh. That is intended to distract attention from their real sins. Aaron's real sin was the golden calf. Moses' real sin was the episode of the spies. And the hint that this was so is Moses' words here, because of you the Lord was in sense with me also. However, intriguing though this suggestion is, how could the episode of the spies be Moses' fault? It wasn't he who proposed sending them. Either way, it was either God or it was the people. It wasn't Moses. Besides which, he didn't go on the mission. He didn't bring back a report. He didn't demoralize the people. So where was Moses at fault and why was God angry with him? The answer, I think, lies in the first two questions. Who proposed sending the spies and why is there a difference in the verbs here and in Shalach? Following Rashi, the two accounts here and in Shalach are not two different versions of the same event. They are the same version of the same event, but split in two. Half told there, half here. It was indeed the people who requested the spies, as stated in our parasha. Moses then took their request to God. God then acceded to the request, but as a concession, not as a command. You may send, said God, not you must send. And that is what is stated in Shalach. However, in granting a permission, God made a specific provision. The people had asked for spies. Let us send men ahead to spy out Vyachburu, the land for us. God did not give Moses permission to send spies. He specifically used the verb latour, meaning he gave permission for the men to tour the land, come back and testify that it was a good and fertile land flowing with milk and honey. The people didn't need spies. As Moses said, throughout the wilderness years, God had been going ahead of you on the journey in fire by night, in cloud by day, to search out places for you to camp and show you the way you should go. They did not need spies, but they did need eyewitness testimony of the beauty and fruitfulness of the land to which they had been travelling and for which they were going to have to fight. But Moses did not make this distinction clear. He told the twelve men, see what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many, what kind of land do they live in, is it good or bad, what kind of towns do they live in, are they unwalled or fortified. Now this sounds dangerously 
like instructions for a spying mission. When ten of the men came back with a demoralising report and the people panicked, at least part of the blame lay with Moses. The people had asked for spies. He should have made it clear that the men he was sending were not to act as spies. How did Moses come to make such a mistake? Because it was a big mistake. Rashi suggests an answer. Our Pasha says, All of you came to me and said, let's send men ahead to spy out the land for us. Now, the English really doesn't convey the sense of menace in the original. They came, said Rashi, in a crowd, without respect or protocol or order. They were a mob, and they were potentially dangerous. And this mirrors the people's behavior at the beginning of the story of the golden calf. When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered against Aaron and said to him, Now when you're faced with an angry mob, a leader is not always in control of the situation. True leadership is impossible in the face of the madness of crowds. Moses' mistake, if the analysis here is correct, was a very subtle one. The difference between a spying mission and a morale-boosting eyewitness account of the land, even so, it must have been almost inevitable, given the mood of the people. That's what Moses meant when he said, Because of you the Lord was incensed with me too. He meant that God was angry with me for not showing stronger leadership, but it was you, or rather your parents, who made that leadership impossible. You were a mob. You were unleadable. This suggests a fundamental and counterintuitive truth. There is a fine TED talk about leadership. It takes less than three minutes to watch, and it asks... What makes a leader? And it answers the first follower. There's a famous saying of the sages, make for yourself a teacher and acquire for yourself a friend. The order of the verb seems wrong. You don't make a teacher, you acquire one. You don't acquire a friend, you make one. In fact, the the statement is precisely right. You make a teacher by being willing to learn. You make a leader by being willing to follow. When people are unwilling to follow, even the greatest leader cannot lead. That's what happened to Aaron at the time of the calf and in a far more subtle way to Moses at the time of the spies. That, I would argue, is one reason why Joshua was chosen to be Moses' successor. There were other distinguished candidates like Pinchas and Kalev, But Joshua, serving Moses throughout the wilderness years, was a role model of what it is to be a follower. And it was that that the Israelites needed to learn. I believe that followership is the great neglected art. Followers and leaders form a partnership of mutual challenge and respect. To be a follower in Judaism is not to be submissive, uncritical, blindly accepting. Questioning and arguing are part of the relationship. Too often, though, we decry a lack of leadership when we are really suffering from a lack of followership. Shabbat Shalom.